Hi, Josh. Hi, Ellie. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. Awesome. Take three. Take three. <laughs> because I was, we'll say flippant with my answer to the last time we kicked this off. Mm -hmm. So let's start again. We have an announcement. We've already made the announcement, but we want to encourage you to hear the announcement again. Yes. And the announcement is we're doing a live episode yep. at Republic. We're live recording an episode with an audience at Republic in Minnesota. And we have the venue and we have the plan mm -hmm. and we have the guests. Mm -hmm. And the piece that we need now is the audience. We need an audience. Mm -hmm. So we've sold some tickets, but there's still tickets left and we want you to go buy them. Yep. And they're only $7. And Republic is at Seven Corners. There's... Um, easy access to parking nearby and they have I want to say somewhere between 50 and 100 craft beers on tap yeah they've got a ton of really sweet beers they've got great food um, they were just I really like it they were just recognized by a national magazine for their uh, for their uh, care and attention to curating their beer list and mm. that magazine that they were recognized by is playboy oh wow <laughs> i don't know what their beer credentials are but i don't know either okay but i thought that was cute but i'm sure everyone who knows about that magazine just reads it for articles like what republic was featured in mm -hmm. uh they don't have naked pictures in playboy anymore i have no idea they stopped doing that. Oh, it was did. a big deal. Oh, wow. I it paid zero attention to it. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad. But anyway, uh, June 28th at uh, doors open at 530. Mm -hmm. And by door, we mean uh, like the entryway between the, the, main, door. <laughs> the, the main part of the bar and the stage part of the bar. Yep. And uh, it's uh, that we're going to start recording at six and it's going to be super fun. And our guests are Brad Walter of Code 42 mm -hmm. and also Dina Alspach, who uh, we've had both of these. These are both alumni mm -hmm. or professional human alumni. They've both been on the show. So yeah. Dina Alspach and Brad Walter are going to talk with us about leading your leaders. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And what it means to lead up in your organization. Mm -hmm. So super excited about that. Yeah. Please go to our website and follow the links and buy tickets as soon as you possibly can. And then we'll talk, now we'll talk about this episode. Yep. This episode is with Kelly Grayler. Mm hmm And she, you used to know her at Best Buy. I did. That's how you met her, but she's been yep. at a few places since then. And what unfolds here is uh, her journey from Best Buy to where she's at now, which is Sprosty Network, which is a startup accelerator mm -hmm. uh, here in the Twin Cities. And what um, we started out with a different name for this episode, but we changed it because we saw a pattern emerging when we were listening to it. And the pattern is that we know all of these amazing people who are doing these jobs that they love or, you know, creating businesses that they love to work at. Mm -hmm. And the pattern is that you don't necessarily need the same kind of credential or formal training um, to be successful at those jobs. Right. Um, as you used to. And we're, as I went back and, and looked through some of our older episodes, um, we saw it with 
Maddie O'Reilly talking about opening a restaurant. Not saw it. We heard it with Maddie O'Reilly. Uh, we heard it with Tamara Dennison. We heard it when Justin Royer was talking about strategy. Mm-hmm. We heard it when Brad Walter was talking about self-organizing teams and leading his team at Code 42. Um, it came out in the Fake It Till You Make It episode with Jeff Kamen. And, of course, the amazing job you don't know you're good at yet with Dina Osbaugh. Mm-hmm. So it's a thread that I think is really interesting and, and it comes out really strongly in the way Kelly is talking about how she got to where she is today. Um, and uh, we hope you like it and we hope that it inspires you to go after doing the thing that you want to do and love to do, even if you don't feel like you have the credentials backing you because that might not matter. Right. And maybe we'll talk a little bit more in future episodes about the kinds of techniques that people do for that. It seems like we will because it just keeps coming up as a pattern. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, here's the episode. Three, two, one, go. Not the spoon, but the plan B thing. No. No. Well, plan B is... Anyway, we're here with Kelly Grayler. Grayler. (laughs) Grayler. We're going to work on the pronunciation. It's Grayler. 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 Just like the color. I don't know... In my time knowing you, if I ever heard anyone actually pronounce your name. Seriously? Like your last name. It would just be Kelly in, you know, PR or whatever. Kelly G. Yeah. Kelly G. Are we recording? Yeah, we're recording. Okay. But we don't have to use that front part. I don't care. doesn't matter. Um, He's not going to edit it out. No, probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, So I first met Kelly um, while I was working with you at Best Buy, mm-hmm. and um, you were then uh, the Director of External Relations. Yes, I was. And you were in the Enterprise Customer Care team, mm-hmm. and we all converged at at that moment when social media started to affect the business, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. how we got to know each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had... Um, the Tweeples? The Tweeples, the... Uh, Tweet force. The tweet force. Oh my god, the tweet force. I haven't <laughs> said that in years. Yeah, I haven't um, thought about it. That my That's my what I was trying to say when I said tweeple. My <laughs> Instagram or my not Instagram, my um <laughs> LinkedIn, which is a little different, uh profile pic is still me wearing my my twelve twelve force? Twelve force. Uh pin on my lapel. Twelve. Yeah. Twelve. Twitter help. Twitter help force. Oh yeah. yes. hashtag. Hashtag, hashtag early help. hashtags. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Yep. And and uh, danger here and uh, other members of the customer care team were on the front and you know they were on the front line with this uh, since they were already ch- uh, monitoring all of the comment forums um, that were online um, and Twitter and Facebook and all right. that stuff. And and then meanwhile. Um, we had more and more employees who were using this. Mm-hmm. So there was this great conversation that came together uh, that involved communications, government affairs, customer care, marketing, who I frankly felt were the least contributing <laughs> to the conversation because it was like, no, we can't lead with a marketing promotional right. mindset on this. Um, and, and, you know, they, they were fantastic partners long term, but it was in, in those early days. And then, of course, legal was there. And HR. And, you know, that was one of those moments I actually recall from Best Buy that I'm proud of because we spent time and hashed it out and came to a a mutual conclusion that if we're going to be 
the world's leading retailer of consumer technology, then we're selling what enables this. Mm-hmm. We are the place to come to get the technology that allows you to tweet, socialize from anywhere. Um, and the average age of our employee in the store is, what, 24 years old. Mm-hmm. Right. So it, it became an, an, a naturally obvious conclusion that the right thing to do for the company was to not ban social media. Of course, you can use it, but set some ground rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and be really clear that here are the list of things. If you do these, you will likely be fired. So, you know, and, and that was another thing that I appreciated with Best Buy is that the language was simple mm-hmm. and it wasn't, it wasn't wound up with a lot of jargon. Right. There weren't many caveats. It was basically like share our industry secrets, share our stakeholder information, and you're getting to get into a lot of trouble. Right. Other than that, How about cool. It? <laughs> you are, you just put this statement, you, you're speaking with your own voice and not speaking for Best Buy and you can do whatever. And I, I had an account that was like that, but then I had an account that was speaking for Best Buy. So right. I had to kind of walk that, that little, and that I, weird and divide. I chose early on not to walk separate, yeah. separate accounts. I decided just to be Kelly Grayler, whether I was mm-hmm. representing Best Buy or speaking for myself and just being more mindful of the rules of the road. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I just, I, I thought that for myself in terms of being a spokesperson for a company, having two separate accounts just was a little disingenuous. Right. So and since then, I'm brokering trust, I need, I need people to trust that I'm, it's me the whole time. Of course. Okay. Yeah. I was of like, course course, do we hear like a stream? Yeah. No. no. Oh, it's the dog drinking the dog. water. My, my, <laughs> Go my, to bed, dude. My dog does the same thing. Anytime a webinar or a conference call starts <laughs> in the house, she'll just be doing nothing for hours. And the moment that I'm on the phone or on a webinar, it's jangle, 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 drink my water, play with my toys. Yeah. It's like, really? Yeah. Just like kids. <laughs> exactly. I know. Yeah. I bet he hasn't had water all day. <laughs> no, he, he did. I was like, I, did I we leave the faucet earlier. on? <laughs> it sounded like that was weird. Um, so now, though, you and you moved on to work for Berkshire Hathaway Energy. Yes, I did. And then now, what does that mean? What did you? What's that? That was um, that was a career opportunity that I couldn't pass up. Okay. And all of this is going to come back to some common themes, I think, as we have the conversation. Um, you know, Best Buy was a great run. I had made the. I had spent the first ten years of my career um, agency side at mm-hmm. Padilla Spear Beardsley, now Padilla CRT, and then decided I wanted to jump to corporate. Felt that I could have more uh, of an impact and and drive better outcomes for the work we were doing by being actually inside the belly of the beast. Mm-hmm. Um, so Best Buy was where I landed, mm-hmm. and I had a tremendous. I had a great time working at Best Buy, and I had so many great experiences. Um, and I got on this on this path of, I need to I need to continue up the ladder. Mm-hmm. And with the changes that happened in 2012 at Best Buy, new leadership coming in, et cetera, um, I was given an opportunity to um, help the new chief communications officer figure out the structure for the organization, mm-hmm. for the new organization. And what I was doing as I was going through that work was looking at it objectively and saying there really isn't a, a path anymore here for me. And, and I was okay with that. Mm. 
and felt that it gave me permission to look around a little bit more. Plus, I'd had my health scare in 2012, and that gives you a moment of clarity in terms of my spending my time the way I really want to. Sure. Mm -hmm. Well, at the time, I really thought I want to continue up the ladder. And so when the recruiter called, and the company at the time was not called Berkshire Hathaway Energy. It was Mid-American Energy Holdings Company, Hmm. which meant nothing to me Mm -hmm. until I found out. That that sounds kind of like a... um like a shell, like a shell company. Yeah, it's, it's a holdings company, and it it's legit. <laughs> they're legit, and and um, they're probably one of the most respected energy conglomerates in the world. We just watch a lot of spy movies, mm-hmm. so don't so take that's it our personally. First. No, it's okay. I'm sure there's a you know there there's probably a Tinker Taylor yeah. angle on this we could Black have list. fun with. Well, and yeah. Ray it's Donovan doesn't doesn't help matters much. Blacklist. Yeah. I, I, I tend to go more toward the uh, the crime British. Okay. You know, I want Broadchurch in the fall and mm. all those. Mm-hmm. So I digress. The company name didn't mean anything to me. Mm-hmm. The location was in Des Moines, Iowa, which I wasn't thrilled with. But when I started to look at it, discovered who was the investor behind the company, an opportunity to work within Warren Buffett's world, why would I pass that up? Right. Mm-hmm. And my husband was incredibly uh, supportive of the idea. And, um, and so we made the decision to have the conversations with the recruiter. And it moved very quickly. And suddenly I found myself resigning from Best Buy and packing up my family and moving to Iowa. Mm. And, um, you know, it was, it was two years and it was, it, was a, it was a fantastic experience working there, including rebranding the company to a name that's a little bit more recognizable and yeah. carries some clout. Do you think that Iowa and Minnesota are more alike than Minnesota and Wisconsin? That's a good question. Yeah, me too. Yes, I, I do. I, you know, I. They're not enemies, like Minnesota and Wisconsin. Minnesota's enemies with everybody. No, not you with guys, Iowa. No. Minnesota and Iowa. Minnesota and Iowa, basically the same state. No, we're. At war I would with disagree everyone. with that. I, I, I think leaving and coming back. Um, even for visits, mm-hmm. market. It depends different. on which part of it you're talking about. Right. Des Moines is a beautiful city. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. just in the event that any of my friends in Des Moines hear this, I want to make sure I'm making these points. Everyone there is amazing. Everyone there is amazing. <laughs> a lot of culture happening and coming up in Iowa. There's a lot of business happening in Des Moines. A lot of local foods. Yep. There, hey, one of my is, favorite bands is from Iowa. Really? Pines. Uh, it's debate. They're from the Midwest. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't say Just they're saying. specifically from Iowa. Uh, the one thing I will say about Des Moines, the arts community is incredibly strong. And, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and so there, you know, we had a, we had a great experience living there. Um, I had a great experience working with Berkshire Hathaway energy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it ended up, you know, being a case where it was like, you know what, this isn't going to be a long-term play for me. Mm-hmm. And so, um, had the conversation with my husband and I said, I don't have something lined up quite yet. And he frankly was ready to come back to the twin cities and he's a firefighter. And so he he wanted to come back and get back on his crew. And, um, and so we decided, you know what, let's, let's go. We can do it. We have the means to do it and let's see where it takes us. So, but it was, um, it was, uh, you know, it, it it wasn't a snap decision, but 
it, it, it's funny because I think the thing that surprised me is that I was so self-assured. Oh, it's going to be fine. I'm, you know, following the plan, you know, on this career path mm-hmm. and I'm going to resign from here. We'll take a little bit of time, get rid of the house, move back to the Twin Cities. I'll find something next and that'll be great. And what I discovered is that my expectations were very different than I thought they would be. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't like anything. So I spent a year getting calls from recruiters about this job or that job. Mm-hmm. And I, on all of them, there was a reason I didn't want it. Mm-hmm. And where I was like, mm, I, d- I don't believe in what you do. Mm-hmm. I don't like your product. I don't use your product. Why would I want to be a part of your organization? Mm-hmm. I mean, when, you're, when you do what I do, which is you know, being an advocate and a spokesperson and, and a, a connector for a company, you have to believe in, in what they do. And it, and it forced me to really question even, did I really believe in what Best Buy was doing? Did I mm-hmm. believe in what Berkshire Hathaway Energy was doing? And I found, honestly, that it, in some respects, yes, Mm-hmm. And in some respects, no. I, I really had picked up the advocacy banner and perhaps didn't authentically in my, in my heart really care about the, the stuff I was working on or talking sure. about. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that, you know, so that was a, a surprise to me in, in, uh, in taking the leap and suddenly realizing, oh, my gosh, I leapt without a net because my self-assurance was telling me, oh, you're going to land something again, no problem. But then my sense of what I really want was different. And suddenly I'm like, oh, my God, what <laughs> happened? And, you know, it was, it, was a very, um, it was a very scary place to sit for a while. Mm-hmm. So, so what landed you at where you currently are at, at Sprosty Network? What... What was the catalyst there? Like, what what about that was different than the other places? So, um, oh, that the, the it's it's a it's a terrific story. Um, I landed there because uh, they invited me in, hmm. and um, I worked with Rick Rommel, who is okay. a partner at Sprossy Network. He was the president of Exclusive Brands at Best Buy. Mm-hmm. He's actually the guy who helped really launch that business, and then he was running um, new business experiments. So he, he was running the division at Best Buy back in the early 2000s. They were looking at home energy management systems, mm-hmm. electric vehicles. Uh, their, their, their charge was to look ahead to where technology was going and making sure that Best Buy would be able to help customers adapt to new technologies. Mm-hmm. A really cool proposition. Yeah. It was something I cared about a lot. It was one of the areas at Best Buy that I did care about immensely, along with the sustainability work. Mm-hmm. The electronics recycling work. I cared about those things a lot. Yeah, and I think that's one of the places where we kind of converged. I was in that same kind of circle too. And I, I met Rick a few times, but I think it, I mainly knew him as like he was partially funding the MS150 team, mm-hmm. like out of his department basically for a couple of years. So yeah, he is he is one of the most genuine executives I've ever worked mm-hmm. with. I mean, what you see is what you get. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether he is presenting in front of an audience or he's riding in, in a cab to the airport with you. I mean, he is the same guy. And um, and and he's self-assured as well, which I think some people can mistake that strength as being arrogant or 
um, um, too proud. And, and it's not, it's just, it's a, it's a, um, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a trusting your inner compass. Mm-hmm. And, um, so anyway, I had flown back to the Twin Cities. I actually had flown from Des Moines, which is a crazy flight. That's like, <laughs> and um, I had been recruited for a position at the Federal Reserve Bank of Minneapolis. Oh. And I was in the final round of interviews. And this was early on in... Their product being money. Their product being money and speculation over interest rates. Mm-hmm. So I was going to be in the Twin Cities for this interview. And Rick and, you know, I had notified him that I had resigned from Berkshire Hathaway Energy. And he's like, hey, let me know when you're in town. Let's grab coffee. Mm-hmm. And so went to my interview and then went and had coffee with him and walked out of the interview. Very nice people, great organization. And it was like just screaming at me going, you don't want this. You don't want this. You won't be happy working here. And I, ex- I shared that with him at coffee. And he kind of chuckled. And, and this has stuck with me ever since. And, and it comes up every few weeks. I, I recall this statement he made. He said, you know, you've spent your entire career working with 20th century companies trying to get them into the 21st century. Mm-hmm. What would happen if you actually did something that was already here? <laughs> That's an <laughs> awesome question. Yeah. And, and, and it stuck with me. And, you know, on the did you realize that before? No, I hadn't. And 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 when I feel like no wonder it feels uphill. Yeah. <laughs> well, that it's uphill. It. Oh. oh, get with the times. And so, um, you know, I obviously I heard that that voice ringing in my head every time I'd get a call from a recruiter with this company or that company or or this opportunity and, um, you know, and and even the encouragement I had, well intentioned from my peers and members in my network just saying, just, just take a director job, just get back in, just get back in. And I'm like, you know, I worked really hard to get to where I landed. And it's, it's not about the title. It's about understanding what happens at that level in the organization and understanding that middle management can be a big, ugly shark tank. Yeah. And did I really want to get back and play those games again? And there are things you don't want to know. At the <laughs> <laughs> and so it, it, you know, and so, you know, it was just going through that whole year and, um, you know, picked up some great work and, and still, um, happy to say I can, I'm still working with them with Medtronic and Cargill mm-hmm. and, um, you know, but it was, but it was finite in that I would do the work and I'd leave and I wasn't mm-hmm. bringing it home with me. I wasn't thinking about it. It was, it was nice to be a little detached from the culture. Mm-hmm. And then um, I got to the end of 2015 and I said, you know what, I, I need to get, it, it was like bridesmaids, Carol, get your shit together, Carol. I just was like, I need a plan. This has been, this has been fun. This has been, you know, kind of exploring how I feel about things, but now I need to get back on plan. Mm-hmm. And so I um, retained an executive coach and we had our first session um, on uh December, let's see. So let's go 25th. No, no, because for because it was it, I was I'm the, the Force Awakens has a role in this in this okay. story. Oh, okay, yeah. That's oh, so I, these are my favorite kind of stories. So I had a meeting, my first meeting with Michelle, my coach, um, the Wednesday before the premiere. So that was what the 16th. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was the 16th, and we you know, laid out this very clear plan. My goal in six months, I will be back in a corporate role 
in the Twin Cities at this level, and I'm going to pick up where I left off in Iowa, and we're going to keep marching forward. That was the plan. And then the next day, that evening, we're leaving the house. We have to go to our son's choir concert, and then we have tickets for the 945 show of Force Awakens. And, you know, so we're all, you know, I'm wearing my Yoda holiday ugly sweater and <laughs> and all set obviously. to go. Obviously. And my phone pinged, and it was a message from Rick. Are you still a free agent? I got something going here. I can't pay you yet. <laughs> It's still not entirely clear what it is, but we could really use your help. And without hesitation, I said, yes. And it was like, do you Whoa. know why? <laughs> Whoa. Well, and, and I, I'm still, you know, I think it's because I trust him. Mm -hmm. um, I trust the people who he's brought to the table. And I know that what they work on is typically something really meaningful. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh. And, and my husband said, you said Yes. And I've been saying no the entire year to everything that was coming my way, mm -hmm. except for, you know, project level work with, you know, on this change management initiative or this post-merger integration piece over at, at Medtronic. And this was something undefined, abstract, not clear. And it was like, all right, let's go. Just having, having this sense of there's a purpose here and, and I, and I love what they're focused on right now. Um, so they've, they launched Retail Accelerator two weeks ago. 75% of startups fail. And what they've identified at Sprosty is a big uh, skills gap that startups have, which is most of them do not know how to get into retail. Sure. And even if they do get into retail, they don't necessarily have the retail readiness, the, the wherewithal to operate at that pace. Yeah. And the failure rate continues. Mm -hmm. So the idea is, Let's not do something that Silicon Valley already has tied up neatly around all of their different, mm -hmm. um, you know, founder level, early stage startup. This is for those companies that have had some sales. They actually want to get into retail, and this is a this is a an accelerator for them. It's a it's a it's a grad school for them. What kind of accelerators retail? want to get into retail? What can you say more about what what their what kind of products yeah. or startups? Yeah. Um, so the first class we have right now is focused on smart home technology. Okay. And typically we, you know, it's, it's actually a pretty mature market. Um, probably a good 14, 15 years mm -hmm. of growth in smart home. A lot of people tend to think home automation and home security, but there are a variety of things that make your home smart in one way or another. Light bulbs. Um, yeah. Um, Thermostats. Blind openers, mm -hmm. um, oh. uh, digital canvases. We just use that little chain for that. I know, but, but some, it's can, not smart. Like there is sometimes no, it's, it's, it's analog. Yeah. It's dumb. It's kind of dumb. That is super analog. <laughs> um, but no, I I've seen that kind of stuff where it's like you hit the lights and then you hit another button and you're like all of your blinds open up. So it's there's insane. some there are just some really cool mm -hmm. companies and you know. This has been, like I said, bootstrap in that they came up with the concept. They put out a call for applications through a partner, Startups.co, 717 applications for the <laughs> first class for an accelerator that hadn't even launched yet. That's so, cool. Yeah. So, you know, we have the first class in place right now, and I'm producing the webinar sessions and I'm coaching two companies, one in Hong Kong and one in Miami. That's awesome. And so I'm, I'm out of my 
I'm out of my comfort zone because they're not asking me questions about reputation management and strategic positioning. They're asking questions like, how do I get Amazon just to contact Samsung directly for order fulfillment? Because I'm strapped and I don't have the capital to, to do it myself. Okay, I can, I'm going to wing it. <laughs> Let me and figure that figure out for you. Yes. <laughs> and so I feel Let like Let me I'm, Google that for you. <laughs> <laughs> Rick! Um, but, you know, it's using different muscles. And, uh -huh. and, I, and I like that. Because one of the things, you know, that I ended up doing to fill my time last year when, you know, recruiters would call and I'm like, I'm not interested in this, is I, had, I found I had a lot of time on my hands. Obviously, when you quit your job, you got a lot of time on your mm -hmm. hands to mm -hmm. do other things. I binge watched Shark Tank, <laughs> and I loved it. Good show. It's great. It's obviously it's entertainment, and mm -hmm. you know they've got forty thousand applications a year yeah. to get on that show. You know, so your chances are like minuscule. But I loved the the um, just asking all of the right questions on have you really figured out your business plan? Do you have your do you have your inventory, you know, mm -hmm. you know, your channel plan in place? You know, have you really identified who your customer is? You know, are people really going to buy this? Mm -hmm. How are you going to talk about it? I didn't even really think so much about that. Yeah. And that's, that's my natural place to go. Um, and so, you know, it, it was funny because I binge watched Shark Tank and then pretty soon I had a, a, a startup idea and I have a, a, a co-founder. She's a friend of mine. She's an artist here in the Twin Cities. Mm -hmm. We have a startup that we're going to launch next year. Nice. Can you and talk about it? No, I will not talk about okay. it. Okay. No. no, that's okay. cool. I can um, come back later and talk about it. Yeah. Can you yeah. talk about it next year? Sure. Okay. Well, we're going to schedule you for that. We'll awesome. have you on the calendar by the end of the Breaking show. Breaking news. <laughs> Breaking news. <laughs> on, on the, yeah. <laughs> the pre-recorded uh, Professional Humans we podcast. We make our own sound effects for Breaking News, yeah. so it's going to be awesome. What is it like glass crashing? Here's here's a little breaking news segment. <laughs> There's no actual breaking news. Thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> okay, anyway. Tell uh, us about was, the time when. <laughs> I was able to work pretty closely with Kelly on a few projects, and I was constantly amazed at how you are a champion of truth and owning mistakes. Mm -hmm. How did yeah. you come to that philosophy? Because a lot of people, and I'm not besmirching communications or anything, but quite a few of them that I've met in the past are very not so honest and open and willing to accept mistakes. You know, it's, it's interesting because, I mean, there, there is an actual academic core to strategic communications and public relations, mm -hmm. uh, mass communications programs, schools of journalism, there is an entire tome you can focus on in terms of um, the rigor behind what it is that we do. The reality, and, and I'm, I'm addressing, I'm addressing the, the comment about the profession in and of mm -hmm. itself, because it's, it's a reputation problem the profession continues to struggle with. You don't need the academic foundation to do what I do. So if you decided tomorrow that you wanted to be a communications strategist, or open your own PR firm, you could hang out a shingle and no one is going to question you. You're entirely basing it on your experience. Mm -hmm. So um, this, is, this is a challenge for the profession overall because there is a line, you know, obviously we're in the business of influence. Mm -hmm. And 
uh, you know, I'm, I'm unabashed about that. I, I am an advocate for the organizations I represent um, and, and a representative for them when we have to talk through tough times and tough issues. Sure. Um, there is, you know, that, that obviously I am being thoughtful about how I frame what I say and how I address a question. Uh, but I also believe that, you know, my, my career over 22 years has coincided with this emergence of this thing called the reputation economy, mm-hmm. where we want trust. We want transparency. Right. We want to feel good about our relationships with the organizations that we work with, work for, mm-hmm. invest in, shop at, um, you know, have in our communities. And so I think that because this has been my, my perspective, I tend to find those that do not have an academic rigor tend to be um, a bit more of um, a blunt instrument in terms mm-hmm. of, of what they do. Um, and it's not necessarily bad or wrong. It's just that absent having a, a coda that everyone is held to, you, you, know, you do it the way you do it. Mm-hmm. And some people are incredibly influential. Um, you know, I, I, you know, some of the political strategists I know are some of the very best in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, my, my own, um, orientation in terms of, uh, you know, own up to your mistakes, tell the truth that came from my dad. My dad was a police chief. Mm-hmm. I was the daughter of a police chief in a town with a thousand people. Hmm. If it, and, and I have tremendous respect for my father. He passed away 11 years ago. Um, but I was not able to hide anything in that town. <laughs> sure. I mean, <laughs> you, you live in a, in a, in a small farm town and your dad's the chief. Right. Dad knows what you did before you got home to tell him yourself, mm-hmm. whether it was good or bad news, mm-hmm. because someone's going to call the chief and go, did you know that your daughter, blah, blah, blah. And sometimes it was good. <laughs> and sometimes it wasn't. <laughs> um, and so you know, dad always just, you know, dad, he said, I don't expect you to be a narc. I don't expect you to be, you know, not enjoying your childhood, but I expect you to be honest and <laughs> just own up because I will always find out the truth. And I, I tend to think the same of, you know, and, and maybe it's naive or a Pollyannish, but I tend to default to the fact that people are going to get to the truth anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's better to own the story and, and tell the truth. And, yeah. and, you know, certainly we will frame it and position it in a way where you are going to feel good about or somewhat good about what the answer is. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's, that's where it, it came from for me. Sure. No, that's great. Cause I've, that was one of the things that I was just seriously like, man, this is impressive. I really like this. Um, like things would come out or something like that and you would just say, well, we're just going to be honest about it. At Best Buy? It happened. Yeah, at Best Buy. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That was, that was, um, fun with the early days of social media too, where you had, as I mentioned earlier, the, 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 the certain camp that felt that anyone could be a spokesperson for the company Mm -hmm. and everyone, you know, can say anything. And I had, I had one individual and we used to butt heads frequently on this point and um, very, he was very um, convinced that anyone can be, and uh, anyone can be the voice. And so we had a, an incident at a store in Colorado, and um, it, it ended up being a pretty ugly scene where the community got upset about what had happened. 
And I was walking down a hallway and I passed the guy. And obviously everyone had heard this news about what had happened. And I, and I said, so are you, are you taking care of this? <laughs> and he says, what? And I said, well, you're, you're all over Colorado, right? You're taking care of this. You're, you're talking you know, to the media. Because you said anybody can be a spokesperson for the company. So you're on this one, right? I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> He's like, I'm not touching that. And I'm like, this is my point exactly. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Right. And just because you can doesn't mean that you can do other people's jobs for them. Right. And so, there, you know, those were the fun days. Mm-hmm. Straightening out the wires with social. It was, it was a social media wild west. And there were so many times where, like, people's ability to say anything about their job anywhere online would have been, like, severed. And... <laughs> it's oh man yeah but uh but it didn't happen and it was actually uh, like i i feel like it was one of the most progressive like what we ended up with was one of the most progressive examples of social media in a in a company um of that size at that time it was sure. pre- it was pretty terrific it was it would have been really nice to have the business continue to grow and thrive mm-hmm. and reinforce what we were doing but it was a bit our actions and words weren't very well balanced that's true. During that period. What did so, you do to your finger? You didn't I cut s- anything off, did you? I almost did. Was it off-off? <sighs> not, not quite off-off, but, you know, the firefighter EMT who lives in my house helped me bandage it up, so that oh, was good. Yeah. We, we had somebody on the show cut their finger off-off. Ooh. The tip of it, like the whole tip. Oh. Uh. that good? But she had So it. when I saw the bandit, I was yeah. like, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah. My finger's really two? not squared <laughs> off like that. <laughs> there is a nail under there. Do we so. have the jar? Did we get that? I forgot to get it. Oh, my god. Please stand by. Okay. Please stand by. So, Kelly, uh, I don't know if you know about the random questions jar. I don't. Fill me in. This jar is filled with the hopes and questions of... There's no hope. And it's in a Bo Mama jar. I mean, that's just perfect. Of every guest that's been previously on the show. These aren't hopes. These are just questions. They're they're hopes and questions. No, it's just questions. It says random. Random question marks jar. So there's a lot of question marks in here. So you pick one at random. If you pick the green one, I'm going to know who it is. Yeah. But other than that, we don't know who it is. She's not looking. She's not I'm seeing not what she's color not looking. she's drawing. It I'm might be green. It might be, be orange. Okay. It's orange. We've never read these questions. Yeah, so we don't know what's on there. You're making a face. <laughs> I am making a face. Given what we've just been discussing, I'm like, really? It's random. It's random because I can't answer this question right now. You might be able to. Hmm. If you could work anywhere, where, and more importantly, why? Wow. That's really funny because of the conversation. Right. Yeah. It doesn't feel as random. One of the things I've hesitated to do is to declare that I'm independent, hmm. that I am permanently a free agent. I'm working with the Sprosty Network, but I still have the ability with that arrangement to have my, own, my, contracts. my own contracts and mm-hmm. my own clients. And um, I, um, for a long period of time, viewed the notion of sitting where I am today as one where I would be looking at myself as a failure, you know, Mm. 20, you know, marching down, like I said, that, that, that career path. And this is the way that success is defined. And I have to have these certain things to feel like I'm, I'm being successful. And what I've learned over this past year is that I don't necessarily need those things. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything, and this is the, the, the crack about, um, there is no spoon 
you know, the whole notion of leaping without a net. This was part of my conversation with my coach a few weeks ago mm-hmm. where we were talking about leaping without a net. And my mind went to Morpheus leaping from one building to the next and Neo going, okay, I'll try it. And then he tries to leap and he falls and hits, you know, and mm-hmm. everyone says, no, nobody ever makes the first jump. But it was, in, it was that, that conversation with her where I had that eureka moment going, oh my God, this is like waking up from the matrix. Maybe this career path that I've been on that I thought that I had to have was the, the pot of goo that I've been living in. <laughs> mm-hmm. And suddenly I have an opportunity to wake up from that mm-hmm. and see things very differently and think very differently about how is my success defined? Mm-hmm. What, what do I want to do? How do I want to spend my time? And so looking at something like this, if I could work anywhere, there are so many places I would love to work. Mm-hmm. There truly are. There, are. there are companies I would go into tomorrow if there was an opportunity to go into them mm-hmm. because I believe in their mission. I believe in, in their product. I believe in what they're doing. Um, sustainability is a big indicator for me. Mm-hmm. If you haven't started to operationalize more sustainable practices in your business in some way, I'm not going to probably be interested in looking at you no matter Mm -hmm. who you are, what it is that you do. Mm -hmm. But, um, so who's the most sustainable in your, in your estimation? Like who would epitomize just that one facet? It depends on the industry, right? It does depend on the industry. I think there are so many, um, I mean, you can, you can look at, you know, manufacturing and supply chain as one example. Mm -hmm. Um, some of the very best sustainable practices are coming out of the tech sector. Um, you know, I think about even like, um, the, uh, the chip manufacturers, yeah. AMD, Intel. I think that they're doing some really remarkable things when it comes to conflict minerals, which you know, every single device that we have have elements that are inside of them that come out of war regions. Right. Yeah, the and, rare earths and right. stuff. And, yeah. and then on the flip side, we fill up Soldier Field nearly seven to eight times annually with the amount of waste, electronic waste, we throw out in the U.S. I mean, it's a huge problem. Mm-hmm. I would love to see more of a cottage industry emerging in terms of how are we going to close the loop on technology because it's, it's just going to continue to evolve. How are we going and getting the materials out of these old devices and reusing mm-hmm. them so that we do not have to have those, those, you know, the conflict mineral laws that we have to audit, et cetera. So I think there's some really interesting things that are emerging. I think there are some interesting companies that are doing cool things mm-hmm. on this front, but you know, it, at the same time, working right now with eight startup companies that are doing some really awesome things in smart home and want to get into retail is really engaging me. And, you know, it's funny because uh, Michelle, my coach, has made this observation a few times that my energy changes. She says, if we're talking about your, your, your corporate clients that you have and the projects you're working on, mm-hmm. your tone gets very, you know, very level. You really kind of slow down. Mm-hmm. It's very. And then I switch over and I start talking about the startups and I am animated and my voice gets fast and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my God, this is so effing cool and blah, blah, blah. And it's a very different type of energy. Right. So I, I can't answer that question because, <laughs> because one I takes just. takes energy and one gives you energy. Right. Mm-hmm. And I just woke up from the matrix and I'm still trying mm-hmm. to figure things out. Mm-hmm. No, that's a great answer. There is no spoon. It's hard. No spoon. It's hard and and really admirable to give up the the um, the progression and the need for the title. And uh, I went through um, that a few years ago, where I you know I thought I needed to 
be at a certain place, but I was just really profoundly unhappy and, you know, it was struggled with, but I, you know, I should be taking the next step forward and realize that taking the next step forward, I'm doing air quotes, um, was not at all about my title, but completely about where I was and what I was learning and found that energy and like started to become smarter and started mm -hmm. to be, have more energy and be more engaged in my work. And, and the, the, the title came later and, and it didn't matter. Well, and I, I, I think you're right in that, you know, I certainly learned that the title gave me the access to the level of work that really stimulated my brain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one of my favorite um, experiences at Berkshire Hathaway Energy was working on mergers and acquisitions. Forget, forget the M. It was all acquisitions. Okay. And the, that entire process of going through regulatory approvals, all of the different steps, public campaigns against the acquisition and how do you navigate those, mm -hmm. it was some of the most stimulating work that I've ever been involved with. And I'm grateful that I had that experience mm -hmm. Because now I can still do that level of work on a contract level mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. With, with these companies. And I, I'm not on the inside, and I don't need the big title, but I'm still getting that, state, that same level of mental stimulation from, from the engagement, and I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Certainly, yeah, the, the title gave me the opportunity to get that, that level of experience where I'm sitting in those conversations with those C-level leaders and hacking through how are we going to close, mm -hmm. being able to transfer that into different places is is pretty exciting. It's mm -hmm. great. Thank you for being a, a guest on our show. Well, thanks and for having me. You have to add your own random question. Yeah. Now, now it's mm -hmm. your mission to come up with a random question. That's mm -hmm. peace out. I know how to turn this off, so I'm going to just do that. Thanks again for listening, humans. As always, you can find us on Twitter at ProHumans, on our Facebook page, ProHumans Podcast, on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash ProHumans, or go the easy route and log on to ProHumans.com where you can find all that stuff and more. This is Danger wishing you a professional week. <laughs>